Welcome to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast, Been There, Done That. To get free mentoring services, as well as to see the wide variety of resources available for small businesses, visit our website at www.score.org or call 1-800-634-0245. And now, here's your host, Dennis Zink. Episode number three, Franchising. Fred Dunnier joins me in our studio today as co-host, SCORE mentor, and our audio engineer. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning, Fred. Our guest today is Bob Mulberth. Bob has been a franchisee three times and is currently with the Entrepreneur Source, where he coaches individuals in selecting the correct franchise. Bob has also been in a franchise operations and support role with large and small franchisers alike, including McDonald's, Wendy's, and Popeye's. He has been responsible for almost $2 billion in sales. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Welcome to Been There, Done That. Thank you. Um, Bob, let's start with the basics. What exactly is a franchise? Well, um, a franchise really is a method of distribution of a product or service that includes several points. Number one, the licensing of a trademark or a trade name. It does include uh, what we call payment now and forever, uh, which is a franchise fee and typically a royalty. Um, a proven business system, training and ongoing support, a win-win business relationship, and regulatory oversight. That's really what a franchise is structurally. What are the biggest benefits for someone getting into a franchise? Well, I think the, uh, the biggest benefit uh, that I see is, number one, you have a proven business concept that you can explore and validate to be sure that it's going to work for you, fits your skills and talents, and delivers what the individual wants in terms of their success. Um, I think that another major factor is the um, intangible asset of being able to join a community of franchisees. Uh, If you're an independent business person, you're by yourself. And an independent business person doesn't have a franchisor and a community of franchisees wanting them or helping, rooting for them to be successful. Uh, An independent guy can't go down the street and borrow product to sustain his business from a neighboring franchise. Uh, They don't have that. Uh, The value of that community is really um, uh, priceless. It's almost like having cheerleaders and coaches on the sidelines. Absolutely. What are the biggest negatives to owning a franchise? Well, I think the negatives are somewhat individual. Um, The negatives would be that if, if someone is truly, you know, very, very entrepreneurial and just can't seem to fit into their own to, to a set of parameters, they want to be the boss totally and make every decision, then really a franchise isn't for them. Uh, it is a It does have some structure that will vary based on the type of business. And uh, food, for example, are going to have some very strict guidelines about how to operate because of public safety being involved. If you're in a service business, then it's a lot more flexible and the rules aren't quite as rigid. You can build your business how you need to. But you can see where, you know, that might be a negative for someone who really, you know, wants to work outside the lines, continue to create uh, new products all the time, things like that. So 
that might be perceived a negative. Um, the other typical franchisee, franchisor argument is around marketing. I've never seen, in, in all my years, I've never seen a franchisee, franchisor relationship not be adversarial to some extent uh, around marketing. Everybody's a marketing expert, okay? So, you know, the franchisee says, you know, the national advertising program doesn't work for me in my marketplace. And yet you are asked typically to contribute to the support of that. And so because there's money involved, uh, there's always an argument of how that money should be spent. But typically, these marketplaces are much more similar than the individual franchisee believes. And the franchisors you typically got a pretty well-developed and proven plan of how to market that business. In general, um, if I were looking at either buying an independent business versus a franchise, how much control would I give up if I go into a franchise? Well, as I said, I don't think you give up control of the franchise because it's still your business. You're in business for yourself, not by yourself. Um, so you give up some control if you're, let's say you go into a food uh, chain franchise. They're going to dictate what the menu is. If you are a chef, you may not want to be in a franchise because you're going to want to create the menu. But other than that, there's going to be operating parameters that are typically pretty broad, and you can work anywhere in between that. When it comes to um, operating your own business, you're still in total control of that. Who you hire, who you fire, how you structure your business. Obviously, you know, you're going to want to perform in a way that doesn't jeopardize the rest of the system. And those would be the only broad parameters where you might be limited. Um, uh, certain types of advertising and things like that that might be considered risque or something like that might be prohibited in a franchise where an independent guy doesn't have those those restrictions. Does the franchisor uh, give you uh, an idea of what kind of ratios or how much to pay dif at different levels, the managers versus the people that are, let's say, serving food? Sure, know? sure. Um, it comes from two things. It comes from the marketplace, and I use uh, we're using food examples, but they're in our portfolio, 87 different industries, only about six of which are food because of the different categories of food. But um, all of that can be either gained from knowledge of the marketplace and what industry you're working within in the marketplace, as well as the entire body of franchisees who are out there executing the brand have parameters. And, you know, you can do your research and find out what all the other franchisees are paying for this cost or that cost. In fact, that leverage buying power is one of the real strengths of becoming a franchisee. What are the hot franchises now? Well, the uh, uh, I, I get that question a lot about what's a hot franchise, and I, I, I tend to steer people to industry. There's no real answer because the hot franchise is whatever is best for you because that's the one you're going to believe in and be most successful in. But uh, annually, they kind of write about... Um, what are the top five industries that are really strong in franchising at this point? And uh, off the top of my head, there are about five that I think right now are really pretty strong. Um, elder care, because of the, dem the demography of the country and its shift, anything having to do with elder care is, is a strong industry uh, that uh, the, the, the demographics are just going to continue to support. 
another is staffing and personnel services. In the other countries that have healthcare systems like we're moving into, the percentage of temporary workers in the workforce is four to five times what it is in the United States. So that's a very strong industry with a good trend to continue to be strong. That may Im- increase with Obamacare. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. exactly. Uh, in England and in Canada, temporary, the temporary workforce represents 4 and 5%. And in the United States today, it's about 1%. So, you know, the outlook for that particular industry, which is really strong right now anyway, uh, the numbers in that, uh, in that industry are pretty impressive. Um, it, 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 there's only a you know upside to that in terms of uh, the industry. What um, what typically does a, a franchise cost? And give me a range if you would. Sure, um, and I'll give you ranges around industries. Sure. Um, obviously, a service industry where you as the franchisee really are providing a service, and there's no physical asset other than your knowledge and your skill that you're you're delivering. Uh, those are lower costs, and in, in our portfolio, in Entrepreneur Sources goes from about $20,000 up to about $80,000, okay? And that number represents the franchise fee plus the hard an estimate of hard operating costs and a projection of three months' worth of operating capital. So that's really to get the start of starting a business. It's in that range. When you start to add things where you uh, start to have some equipment, and that it ranges from... The total investment will range from, let's say, that eighty-five to or so thousand dollars to probably two hundred thousand dollars, maybe two fifty. If you start to get into retail with furniture fixtures and adding inventory, um, the most expensive are typically uh, restaurants or things that are capital intense in terms of equipment, plus inventory, plus a lot more moving parts in terms of labor, as well. And you can actually. Uh, uh, I, I would say that that range will go from about two hundred thousand to three hundred fifty, four hundred, maybe even five hundred thousand dollars as an initial investment. Now, now that doesn't include any real estate costs or anything else that are associated with, with say, a, a fast food restaurant, right? Um, what I'm talking about in terms of uh, it, it can, because uh, depending on the way that the business is structured. I'm talking about cash up front or cash you might need to be able to, uh, to uh, invest in uh, or get financed uh, to make the business go. A McDonald's, for example, everyone, I worked for them for 11 years, everyone thinks they're terribly expensive. But the franchisor, McDonald's, typically owns the land in the building and the franchisee just pays them a rent. So in that scenario, their costs are only the uh, furniture, fixtures, and equipment to get started. And I that's see. the hard cost they get into. So it really varies by brand. So who selects the location? I mean, does the franchiser give you a choice as we're looking at three McDonald's locations, for example, and how does that work? Well, McDonald's is a little different than everybody else in the industry because they do step up and they own the, build, they own the building, they own the land. So they, they make that decision. And then it's awarded to a franchisee within their system, typically. How about everybody else? Everybody else typically will uh, help in varying degrees. It'll go from saying, uh, let's identify an area of opportunity. And Mr. Franchisee, you go out and find two or three spaces that you think will work. 
and then we'll send a real estate representative there to evaluate those to the point where a franchise or will send a representative into the marketplace, select a location, and even do the lease negotiations. So there's a whole range of services in that real estate. It just depends on the brand with which you're associated. Is there a degree of truth to the if McDonald's is on one side of the street that maybe Burger King or Wendy's will be on the other side? Sometimes? Absolutely. So they don't have to redo, reinvent the wheel. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Just change the street. Um, how do I find the right franchise? That's a great question, and uh, you know there are a lot of franchises available out there. Um, I think the IFA, the International Franchise Association, says there's well over 3,500 franchises in the United States. So there's a wealth of brands to pick from. But I think it's really driven by an individual's needs, and that's what our approach really does. We help people identify what, they're, what income they're looking for, what kind of lifestyle they really want to lead, and even talk about longer-term wealth building and equity positions as you would leave a franchise uh, to help define what business model might be most suited for them. Um, you want to look at something that you can use your transferable skills within that applies to that, but so many people uh, continue to confine their search to what they've done in the past and they don't realize they've got a skill set that they've developed over a career that when they start to look for a franchise, it could apply in many different business models. So we work with our clients to help uh, help them do that. Um, and then, of course, you know, your resources dictate what you can afford. And finally, I think in the process of validation, one of the last steps is getting a chance to meet the leadership of the franchise. They call that in most brands a discovery day. And uh, I think as a franchisee or prospective franchisee, you want to go meet the leadership who are going to be responsible for keeping the brand vital and uh, keeping your business moving forward because you're going to be out there executing it. It's one of the beauties of franchising and not having to be independent and do that all yourself. You've got a team of people that are going to keep that brand vibrant, moving forward and very uh, uh, relevant to the industry. So you can go ahead and execute. So uh, those are the key things I think that, that people go through. Um, you want to find an environment that's safe to do that discovery. And that's, that's what we kind of help people do. Bob, you mentioned resources. And uh, I just was wondering, how available is financing for franchisees? Well, it's, um, it's becoming more available than it had been over the past few years. Um, not that I think commercial lending is loosening up, but I think that they're are alternative means of financing that have come up that a lot of people are now being able to take advantage of. Um, a statistic was quoted the other day at our conference that 52% of the franchises purchased were purchased with retirement funds. And there are methodologies where you can roll your retirement funds over into a new um, corporation that makes an investment in a franchise and not suffer any early withdrawal uh, penalties or any sort of taxable event. So that's become very, very popular. Um, there are SBA vehicles out there now that are being utilized, um, and some are even um, unsecured that I know that clients of mine have taken advantage of. Um, as well as creative things like, and it's not one I, I, I like, but it is available, 
is that uh, putting together, there are companies out there that will put together several low or no interest for a period of time credit cards that you can draw against, and then eventually you'll pay a higher interest rate, but for a period of time, you're, you're not paying any interest against that loan. And if you think you're in, going to be in something that can ramp up quickly and be profitable and you can pay it off quickly, you won't be paying a very high interest rate. So you have to get a little creative. There are some more vehicles out there than there used to be in terms of traditional lending. And, and now the traditional lenders are starting to get wind of that and, and being a little more open. How safe are franchise companies? Well, there's no guarantees to anything in life, uh, particularly being in a business. But uh, the success rate of a franchise versus an independent business, let's say, is remarkable. Uh, over at uh, the uh, U.S. Chamber of Commerce did a 10-year study. And uh, at the end of two years, about 55% of the independent businesses had already failed, where only about 4% of the uh, franchise businesses had failed. And over a course of 10 years, about 80% of the independent businesses had failed. And the success rate was over 90% for the franchises. And so you ask, you know, why is that? Well, people, why is that? <laughs> uh, why, why the difference? So, you know, people, uh, first of all, lack of resources, and typically that means money. So people run out of money. And, and one of the reasons is independent versus franchise is when you start an independent business, you don't know how much it costs. Or a franchise, you absolutely can define how much it's going to cost. There'll be some variables when you talk about real estate, but at least you'll have uh, a research background to review before you make any of those decisions. Um, and then, you know, people feel like they have to be an expert in everything to be successful in business. That's truer in the independent business operator's case than it is with a franchisee. Because the franchise community then allows you to access lots of different levels and types of expertise to help you run your business, and you don't have to be the expert in everything. And then finally, I think that in independent businesses, people have a tendency to work more in the business, and the franchise creates an environment where you're working on the business. Uh, Michael Gerber wrote a book called The E-Myth, and uh, the E-Myth talks about the entrepreneurial myth that you can do something you love and um, you'll be successful. And he says, that's a myth. I read that book. Did you read that book? I did. What are franchisors looking for? Well, franchisors are looking for uh, uh, generally a good uh, broad spectrum of business skills. They're looking for business owners. They're not looking for technicians, another one of Mr. Gerber's terms. Um, they're not looking for somebody who's necessarily expert in their business or their industry because they'll train you on how to become expert. But they're looking for good, solid business people who have a drive to succeed, can follow a system, and have the ability to execute a system. What happens, I buy the franchise and I decide this isn't right for me, I want to sell or get out, what are my options at that point? Well, it is an asset that you own. And um, here's another comparison to independent business ownership. If it's something unique, you kind of have to educate whatever marketplace you might be offering the business to. In a franchise, you have somewhat of a built-in uh, customer base already to which to offer the, the franchise. You've got all the other franchisees and the brand that know that 
yeah, that would like to live maybe in Sarasota, um, where they can say, okay, I'd like to acquire that franchise. So that's the first place you market it. And then the franchisor themselves are typically fielding lots and lots of inquiries about the brands. So they're having new people come in and somebody from Sarasota acquires about the brand and say, oh, we, uh, we can help because we've got somebody wants to sell in Sarasota. So it's, it's a business to, uh, it, it is a good business uh, structure from which to be able to uh, uh, get out of because you can sell it more easily, I think. Thank you, Bob. You're welcome. You've been listening to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast, Been There, Done That. The opinions of the hosts and guests are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of SCORE. If you would like to hear more podcasts, get a free mentor, view a transcript of this podcast, or would like more information about the services we provide, you can call SCORE at 800-634-0245 or visit our website at www.score.org. Again, that's 800-634-0245 or visit the website at www.score.org.